0: Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. I'm joined today on the podcast by Tim Myers, a Senior Research Associate that covers consumer staples. Tim is a fellow alum from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and an avid Buffalo Bills fan, which makes this conversation a bit more painful as they recently defeated my Las Vegas Raiders. Tim is joining me today to discuss his recent blog post, Breaking Up With Old Habits, where he discusses consumer behavior and how it can change over time. Tim's blog post, as well as others written by various members of Diamond Hill's investment team, is available on our website, diamond-hill.com. As we continue to work through these unprecedented times, I ask for your understanding for any sound issues that may arise. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tim Myers. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Let's, uh, let's dive right into your blog post and talk about what you've put together. Uh, what led you to come up with the idea of the blog post and the thoughts around consumer habit altering?
1: Yeah, thank you, Doug, and thanks for having me on. And, you know, to answer your question, it really started in the earliest days of the lockdown and it was, you know, quite organically, um, you know, really just watching closely the habits and behaviors of consumers, you know, starting with my friends, family, even my own, you know, seemingly changing overnight, you know, focusing in on, you know, what and how and, you know, kind of where people were purchasing things. Um, And, you know, maybe just taking a step back, you know, looking at consumer brands or staple brands and how historically they'd, um, you know, driven trial or awareness or brand loyalty. Um, It was really kind of capitalizing on big moments of change uh, in one's life. So, you know, a graduation, a marriage, you know, childbirth or a holiday and, you know, kind of bringing it back to where we are now in this interesting moment of, you know, change, you know, particularly for young people who are still in, you know, their formative years in the midst of forming habits. And, you know, just asking, you know, could this be one of those moments of change, you know, or a moment that, you know, has the ability to shape a long term behavior. Um, so, you know, I really, you know, just kind of took this idea or, or, you know, thesis, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, you start to kind of test it and, you know, talk to management teams and industry experts and kind of tracking trends and, you know, uh, rates of repurchase. And, you know, this is really something I kind of spent most of the summer uh, contemplating and thinking about. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I really love big picture thoughts and ideas um, like this and, If I didn't invest for a living, I think I'd probably work at a think tank um, because I just find these sorts of questions so so very interesting.
0: So one of the things that you address in your piece is the shift of the consumer towards bigger, better known brands. Given the Mm -hmm. current environment in which we find ourselves, uh, do you think the shift is directly correlated to the consumer spending less time out and about shopping and either buying things or hitting stores very quickly in and out to get things? Or is this something that was happening prior to the emergence of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I'd say, you know, first off, there were some signs, you know, prior to, you know, kind of the outbreak of COVID here in the U.S. of uh, somewhat of a return to bigger brands. I wouldn't, you know, call it like a blanket shift. um, But there were some signs of life, you know, brand by brand, company by company. Um, And I'd say, you know, particularly in kind of like the e-commerce or omnichannel. Uh, where bigger players, you know, who have advantaged manufacturing capabilities, supply chain capabilities, marketing capabilities, um, really, you know, showed that they could win. Um, and, you know, kind of bringing it back to where we are today, I would say that, you know, since the onset of the coronavirus here in the U.S., um, you know, consumers have been much more considerate in uh, their purchasing and their consumption. Um, and I, I guess by considerate, I mean, less prone to sampling of products. Um, you know, people kind of bought what they knew and they bought what was available on the shelf and, you know, probably nine times out of 10 in the last, you know, few months, that was a big brand. Um, so I'd say, yes, some of that was driven by limited consumer, consumer mobility, you know, at first, um, you know, but now, you know, trying to understand what the next, you know, few months and years look like. Um, based off of what we've seen. And I think it's, you know, important to to note also that there was a lot of millennials who moved home to live with their parents during this time, out of big cities, you know, that still are. And, you know, while they were there, you know, they were introduced to, you know, bigger brands or older brands by their parents. And while at the same time introduced their parents to, you know, digital media or online ordering or omni-channel click and collect. Um, so that that's a pretty interesting um you know, observation too. And, you know, what also is, you know, particularly interesting is that a lot of these bigger brands, older, bigger brands, you know, had been, you know, completely renovated in the last five or so years, you know, with clean ingredients or, you know, cleaner labels. You know, it's just, they weren't really getting the consumer trial, you know, but, you know, that's all changed now. And we have, you know, what many in the industry are kind of calling this greatest period of consumer trial and consumer package goes history, you know, what does it mean for longer term trends? Um, you know, I think it's something that, you know, is really important to keep watching, um, you know, cause a lot of these brands had been kind of written off um, by, you know, many industry observers.
0: So something that, that ties some of that together, and I'm going to throw this at you and, and see what you think, but, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you've seen it, uh, this viral uh, mm-hmm. video of this guy that was on his longboard skateboard listening to Fleetwood Mac, drinking, I think it was Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is, you know, sales have taken off for Ocean Spray. Uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac was number one song in the country. Is that, you know, some of those things where you've got this crossover of younger generation finding older music and maybe looking at Ocean Spray, which I always viewed as, that's something my parents drank, that's something my grandparents drank. Uh, Is that an example of kind of what you're talking about with some of this shift going on?
1: Yeah, I would say that's a, it's a great example. I saw that video and I'm a big fan of Fleetwood Mac. Um, uh, but I, I think that's exactly it. I think it's, you know, forever people had written off brands. And I think, you know, in today's, you know, the world that we live in today and the, the, the ability of digital media to completely, you know, change things and reach so many people, um, you know, it's hard to write off, um, you know, an older brand. Um, and I think that's, you know, a great example of it. And I, I, that's, you know, free advertising that I'm sure Ocean Spray, you know, didn't pay a dime for, and, you know, now, you know, look at the brand, um, and you know, what's happened.
0: Yeah. And for those listening that haven't seen it, be sure to look it up. And, and I know Ocean Spray bought the guy, uh, a truck because he was longboarding his way to work because his car broke down. So it's, <laughs> it's a great story, uh, uplifting story, uh, in this this dark time that we're in, but going back to your, to your piece, the smaller players in the consumer space are already under pressure due to the impact mm-hmm. of the lockdowns and the economic slowdown. Could we see a culling of the herd that could result in large well-known brands and companies dominating even more so various markets mm-hmm. as smaller players are either gobbled, gobbled up or run out of business?
1: Well, you know, I I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say that, you know, if we kind of look to history as kind of a guide, guidepost, um, I'd say that yes, it's very, you know, very likely. I think, you know, in times of the, you know, stress like this, uh, you know, typically the strong uh, get stronger and are able to, you know, consolidate some, some power, um, you know, and I think in regard to the consumer packaged goods space um, with the move towards, you know, bigger brands and shift towards e-commerce and omni-channel, um, you know, being rapidly adopted. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a favorable setup for the big players who entered this period, uh, particularly from a position of strength. Um, And I think on the retail side, um, you know, from what I was hearing, you know, retailers are kind of, you know, in a sense, waiting for, you know, an excuse to clean up their shelves, um, you know, that maybe had gotten a little overextended. And I think this is really a perfect excuse um, to refocus kind of their shelves on, you know, maybe faster turning, uh, more profitable uh, products or SKUs. Um, And, you know, one one space in particular, um, you know, that I worry about is craft beer, um, you know, that's just so reliant on, you know, the on-premise, you know, tap room or brew pub experience. and that has really such an extended shelf at retail. I mean, I was at the grocery store down the street the other day, and I mean, the craft beer aisle, I can't even call it an aisle anymore, section is about as big as the wine section. I mean, the amount of options, it's just, it's wild. Um, and I think that, you know, it's almost inevitable that you'll see some of that long tail kind of get trimmed up in, in a period like this.
0: So the title of your blog post is, is breaking up with old habits. So let's talk about the title of your piece and, and in it you state that it takes roughly 66 days for the average consumer to form a new habit. You know, mm-hmm. Where did that time frame come from? Uh, and you know, is it actually happening in the market today?
1: Yeah, um, so that 66 days is from a, from a study on behavioral psychology that was done a few years ago by a team out of, uh, United Kingdom. Um, and, you know, they, they said there was really a range, you know, of 18 to, I think it was a little over 200 days, you know, for, you know, like a behavior to become a habit. Right. Um, and since we left the office at Diamond Hill, um, I was just checking the other day, I think it's been just over 200 days. So removed from normalcy. Wow. Um, you know, and it, it seems like it's gone by in a blink of an eye, but, um, I think honestly, it's still a little too early to say definitively if consumers are, you know, are changing behaviors and, you know, for the long term, Um, you know, the world's opened up a bit compared to where we were and, you know, call it end of March, April area. Um, Though consumer mobility, you know, is still, you know, fairly limited. Um, So I think until we really get a step change in consumer mobility, it's it's too early to tell. Um, I mean, we've talked about a few things, you know, observations that we've seen um, that point towards um, you know, maybe a longer term change, but I think until we really do get a step change in that consumer mobility back to maybe what's more normalized levels, it'll be too, it's too hard to tell, um, but it's still you know, very important to be kind of cognizant of, I think, as we you know, think about our investment portfolio.
0: So, you wrap up your piece uh, with something very interesting. You're comparing the current generation of millennials to the greatest generation based mm-hmm. on those generations' experience with history altering events. And so, for millennials, it's the tech bubble, it's 9 11, it's the Great Recession in 08, 09, and then the current pandemic. Um, and that could be steering them a certain direction in their future spending, which is what we saw with the greatest generation that came through the Depression and World War II. Um, mm-hmm. so Talk about how those kind of compare and contrast to each other.
1: Yeah, uh, this, this part, um, you know, it really came to me over the summer. Um, I, I spent almost the entirety of my summer at my family cottage up on Lake Erie with my extended family and my 90-year-old grandmother, who also has a cottage down the street in the Bay. And, you know, we were very careful in, about quarantining because of her and she's in great health. Um, but, you know, was able to spend really the whole summer around family and was able to spend countless hours with my grandmother and had dinner with her almost every night. Um, and one of the nights we got into this topic, um, and, you know, she said that, you know, in her entire life, she really could not remember a time, you know, like this, that has just been so disruptor, disruptive to the pattern of daily life and her daily life. And, you know, this is a a woman who, uh, you know, was born into the Great Depression and was a teen during World War II. And this, that thought, you know, it really sparked this idea of the magnitude of this event um, and the ability of it to influence or shape long-term behaviors. Um, And I think as an investor, it's just so easy to get sucked up into, the short-termism, you know, particularly in times like these, when uncertainty is just running so high, everyone wants to know what the next six months is going to look like. And it's just so easy to lose sight of the the big picture, you know, lose sight of the forest for the trees. Um, But honestly, you know, throughout this whole period, um, you know, I I just can't stop thinking that, you know, the world has changed. Um, And there's a quote that keeps ringing in my head. It's actually from, you know, five, six years ago when I was studying at Miami of Ohio in college and it stuck with me. Um, and it's from Vladimir Lenin actually. And it's, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. Um, you know, and I just, that quote's been ringing in my head and I keep asking myself, is this one of those periods? You know, and how fast the world changed and if people have an appreciation for that. Um, and, you know, Tying that in to my generation of millennials and Gen Zers, I'm 26, and, you know, they get, a, you know, a bad reputation, in my opinion, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> but, um, you know, in reality, like, have been dealt kind of a tricky or tough hand. Um, you know, if you just look at the events out of their control, but that have kind of transpired over the last 10 to 20 years, you know, like you said, born into the tech bubble, you know, old enough to understand the horrific significance of 9-11 and what it's like to grow up in a 9-11 world, post 9-11 world. And, you know, many watch their parents struggle through the Great Recession and the collapse of the housing market now graduating college or are young, um, you know, in their careers and probably one of the most difficult economic periods in the history of the U.S. Um, So I think it's, you know, it's fairly reasonable to expect millennials or young people to exhibit some of the behaviors that we saw uh, through the Greatest Generation, just due to the magnitude of events that you know both have experienced, you know, during their most formative years of their lifetimes. Um, and you know, as I wrote in the blog, um, you know, crisis, you know, can oftentimes be a tremendous catalyst for change, or at least historically it has been. So. You know, we as investors and myself as an investor in consumer brands, you know, I I think need to be acutely aware of these trends, um, and the historical, you know, significance of them, you know, as we look out over a five, 10, 20 year investment horizon, um, you know, this may be an event that does end up shaping the future, um, of consumer habits and consumption.
0: Great stuff. Great stuff. I, and I, we, I know we've gotten, we've gone pretty deep here. I'm going to go a little bit lighter uh, for my last <laughs> question. Uh, and I'm going to ask you having witnessed uh, their dominance uh, against my Las Vegas Raiders are your Buffalo bills for real at four and O? I
1: I I, I think they are. Um, and again, you know, as an investor, I tell a lot of people um, <laughs> You know, if you really want to be a value investor and know what it means to suffer, you should spend, you know, at least five years being a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think right now we're just, you know, it's reversion to the mean. It's reversion to the mean. And, you know, we're going to have four Super Bowls and probably win them, I think. Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I think Josh Allen is the real deal. Um, and I'm very excited uh, tomorrow. They're hopefully playing Tennessee um, if we get the game. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see but that was a great game against Euro Raiders
0: yeah yeah. well we had a, we had a big win against the Chiefs so I can't be too
1: upset that was, a, that was a great win I was watching that as well
0: so Tim thank you so much for joining me today we'll wrap up with that uh, it's been a pleasure I appreciate it everyone be sure to go out and check out the blog at wwwdiamond thank you Doug This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.